0: Hey everybody, welcome home. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearson. So glad you tuned in today. We're gonna get into the Word of God together. Before we do that, I want us to pray. I want us to come into agreement that you and I are gonna see what God wants us to see. We're gonna hear what God wants us to hear. He's speaking to us. He's speaking to you. And he will speak to you through his word. He'll speak to you by his spirit. And it is not beyond the ability of God to set you and I up right here, right now with an answer to a question that's been burning in your heart for a long time. As a matter of fact, I believe that that is exactly what's gonna happen today. I believe somebody somewhere is watching this broadcast and this one, whatever's about to be said is for you. It's gonna answer some questions. It's gonna solve some problems. And I'm telling you only God and his grace can do that. God connects us from wherever we are in the world. He puts us together and he is speaking to you. And I'm, Honored that he would do it through me, through me today. So that's what we're going to be in agreement on right now. So let's pray together and jump right into the word. Fathers, thank you so much for the opportunity to preach your word, the opportunity to look into the word and see Jesus. We want eyes that see him and ears that hear his voice. So I'm asking you today, sir, for the help of your Holy Spirit. Lead us through your word like we were, like we were on a treasure hunt, like we were looking for something so valuable because we are. We are looking for life-saving, life-changing truth, anointed word that comes from your word. Holy Spirit, we're listening today. We've got our ears tuned to hear your voice, and over these next few minutes, we are all ears. We are all eyes to see Jesus and what he wants to show us. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing in our lives and in the lives of people watching this broadcast all over the world. We give you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. You ready for this? Let's get into the word together. Go back with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We began at the very first of this year, 2017, in a series called Fit for the Fight if you missed any of that, you gotta go back and watch those broadcasts. Download the Legacy Studios app. All those broadcasts are there. They're free for you to watch. Go get back into those messages because they really lay a great foundation and a framework for where we're headed right now and some of the things we wanna share with you today. We're gonna to really tie back into that. Um, so I wanna make sure if you missed any of that, go back and get it. If, you've, if you saw it, listen again, eat it again, get it going into your heart again but couple that with what the Lord wants to show us today. Our foundation scripture in that series was here in Second Timothy chapter two. It was uh, verses 20 and 21 where Paul wrote to Timothy and said, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, notice this is something you do. If anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor. That's what I want to be. That's what you want to be, a vessel for honor. A vessel is really just something that holds something else. It's a container, if you will. And a vessel for honor is something that uh, precious things get put in there. Valuable things get put inside a vessel for honor. And what he's saying there is a vessel that gets used for an honorable use. And you and I can make ourselves this kind of vessel—a vessel for honor, where God puts things in us: precious things, valuable things, uh, things that bring change, things that that are anointed and instigate healing in the lives of our, our lives and the lives of other people. He can put that in a vessel that's been that's been set aside, that's been sanctified and is useful to the master, prepared for every good work. And really, that's what we're talking about: is being fit for the master's use. That's the way the modern English version says it. You want to be fit for the master's use. What we're doing is saying, Jesus, use me. As a matter of fact, why don't you just say that out loud? Say it right now: Jesus, use me. I wanna get used. (laughs) I want to be used. But more than anything, I want him to be able to use me. I know this for a fact. He loves me. And I'm so deeply rooted and grounded in that and getting more so every single day of my life. He loves me, 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 he loves me. And I will never be able to undo that. I'll never be able to do anything that earns more love or do anything that disqualifies me from receiving that love. He loves me. But the truth is, just because he loves you doesn't necessarily mean he can use you. That's something else entirely. And you and I want to be used by the master. We want to be used by Jesus. I wanna get some stuff done for him in this earth while I'm here. I want him to be able to use me to reach out beyond myself and affect the lives of other people. I want him to to be able to use me to lay hands on the sick and see him recover. I want him to be able to use me to look into this camera and preach the anointed word of God to you and let it bring change into your life. I want him to use me. I'm nothing. My life has no meaning and no purpose outside of his use for me. And neither does yours. I want to be fit for the master's use, but not just not just useful to the master. What's the next part of that? Prepared for every good work. And like we said on last week's broadcast, the greatest work you'll ever do is the work he's called you to. So whether that's something in ministry, something in business, something in family, something in medicine, something in law, whatever it is, if he's called you to it, you'll never be more productive. You'll never be more effective and you'll never be more satisfied doing something other than the thing he's called you to do. Man, that's your sweet spot right there. That's where you'll be so fulfilled. That's where you will be so satisfied in this life. Let's tell you something else. That's where you're gonna be blessed beyond your wildest imagination. That's That's where the provision of God is. That's where the blessing of the Lord is, is you being, in the place, doing the thing that he's called you, created you, and anointed you to do. But the, the question we're asking ourselves is, are we ready for it? Am I prepared for the work? It's one thing to be called. That's his part. He's called me. Now I got to get ready for it. That's my part. Of course, I'm dependent upon his grace. I'm dependent upon his help to even get ready, but that's gotta be on my mind. That's gotta be in my heart. And I've gotta be making conscious effort, conscious decision, conscious steps of faith always towards the thing he's called me to do. That's what you've gotta be doing. Ask yourself right now, am I ready or not? Am I prepared to do the great thing he's called me to do? Am I fit for my master's use? And we coupled this with Luke chapter nine. Let's read this again, these several verses here as a recap. Verse 57, we'll read through to the end of the chapter. It says, now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you you go. I wonder how many people have made that promise to Jesus. I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. I'll pay any price. But Jesus doesn't respond to that the way you think he might. He doesn't respond with a a high five and a slap on the back and say, woohoo let's go we got another one guys no he looks back at the guy and says are you sure if you're looking at it on the surface he it almost looks like he's trying to talk him out of it of course he's not but what he's trying to get him to do is to think soberly about this promise he's just made I'll go wherever you go and Jesus says okay I hear you but are you sure because there's there's something that goes along with that that you may not be thinking of Jesus said foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head Jesus is saying, there's some things you've got to be willing. I almost say sacrifice because that's the term people most readily think about this in, but it's really, it's not sacrifice, especially when you're on this side of it, looking back, it's not sacrifice. It's just a reprioritization You've just gotta be able to look at the things of God and and see what's important to him, then look at what's always been important to you and see if they line up. And if they don't, you gotta be willing to make a scratch through your list and reprioritize and say, okay, Lord, this used to be important to me, but I'm gonna make important to me what's important to you. If it's big to you, it's big to me. See, that's, that's not so much sacrifice as it is just reprioritization because in God, you're not losing anything. You're gaining. When you step out in faith and do what he's called you to do, I'm sitting on this brown couch today as a living example and testimony and can bear witness to the fact that when you do what he's called you to do, you don't lose anything, but you gain it all. You gain it all. This goes on, this conversation Jesus had with these individuals. And in verse 59, he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, you let the dead bury their own dead. Seems kind of, almost kind of harsh, but you gotta understand what's going on here. This guy wasn't just asking Jesus, hey, let me go go to my dad's funeral. That's not what this was about. Scholars and researchers and commentators tell us that really this guy, the way the language is crafted here, his father wasn't even passed away. He was just saying, let me go home and let me spend the rest of my father's life there at the house with him. And when he's done living, that's when I'll step out of the house. That's when I'll do my own thing. And people for various reasons and to varying degrees are doing the exact same thing today. We'll talk about this more in a second. But Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. and You go, and the implication here is you go now. I'm opening this door of opportunity right now. I'm standing here looking at you eye to eye, face to face, and you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth. Follow me. This is a window of opportunity that won't be open forever. And Jesus said, you go now and preach the kingdom of God. Another one said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first. Same thing the other guy said, me first. Me first. Me first. Man, that, that is such, that, that is a mentality that is born in to the human nature. That's like engrafted into our DNA. Me first. We've got little ones in our home, Justice and Jesse. Justice is six. Jesse's three. And everything's a race with these guys. Everything is a race. We have to tell them sometimes, guys, dinner's not a race. There's no prize for finishing first. Brushing your teeth is not a race. There's no prize for being the first one done brushing your teeth. Spend a little more time brushing your teeth. Everything's a race with these guys. Why? It's just constantly me first. I wanna be first. I wanna be first. First to get in the bath. First one down the stairs. First one doing, first one to put the seatbelt on. I finally told him the other day, guys, it's not a race. It's not a race. But it's this inborn thing that starts in us as little kids, me first, me first. And it's it's almost a selfish mentality. You see it when little kids are together, who wants to be at the head of the line? Oh, me, me, me. And they're clawing their way through. Who wants to be the one, the line leader at school? I've watched small fights break out among first graders over who gets to be first in line. It's this immature selfish mentality that's born into our unborn again DNA. And if you're not watchful over it, if you don't do like what Paul said, put childish things away from you, then that thing will hang around forever. And that's essentially what's going on with these guys and in their response to Jesus, you know, that sounds great, Lord, I'll follow you. And you look at it and at first you think, well, there's some merit here. At least they didn't say no. But in the eyes of Jesus, they said exactly the same thing as somebody who said no. They said, yeah, I'll follow you, but let me first, me first. What is that? I'm going to put my priorities first. What's important to me, I'm going to do that. Then I'm going to do what's important to you. And in the eyes of Jesus, that's paramount to saying, no, I'm not going to follow you. My mom used to say it like this growing up in our house. She'd say, delayed obedience is disobedience. So Jesus goes on, he says, you let the dead bury their own dead. You preach the kingdom. And another said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I love you, I've called you, but I can't use you. As long as you're still holding on to what's behind you, I can't use you. As long as you're still trying to look backwards. Isn't that what he said? Puts his hand to the plow and looks back. If, you're putting, if you've got your hand to the plow, you're trying to move forward while looking backward. Jesus is like, hold on, wait, 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 wait. I can't, I can't use that. I can't get anything done with that. There's a couple of interesting things here I wanna to bring to your attention. And we're gonna compare this to other people who heard the same two-word invitation from Jesus and had a much different response. As a matter of fact, while we're talking, look over at Mark chapter, Mark chapter one. There's something interesting here that in both of these cases, these guys responded to Jesus, and their excuse, their, their procrastination, their misappointed priorities had to do with one thing: it was going home trying to go back home. Let me go back to my dad and bury my father, father who's not even passed away at this point. Why would somebody do that? Let's bring this into something relative to us right now. I wonder how many people, even many watching this today, are living under the pressure of pleasing their natural father. I wonder how many people have gone to a college for one reason, that's because they thought that's where their dad wanted them to go. Or that's because mom that's where mom and dad went, so that's where I'm supposed to go. I wonder how many people have made huge, major life decisions with the prevailing thought, this is what my dad wants me to do. Listen to me, husbands, listen to me, fathers. This is why you and I, have got to train up our children to hear the voice of God for themselves. And at the earliest age possible, teach them to become dependent, not on you, not on your opinion, not on your expectation for their lives, but teach them to rely on the voice of the Holy Spirit and to take all our pressure off of them, to take all our undue expectations off of them. And if we're going to set a high standard in our homes, let it just be the standard of the word of God. Let it just be the standard. In this house, we're led by the spirit and we give our children the freedom to hear from God. Now I know that doesn't happen as their little bitty kids, but as they grow and they develop in their own walk with the Lord, we have got to learn to trust God with our kids. Because here's a guy who got an eye-to-eye, face-to-face invitation from Jesus, and he said, yeah, I want to. I want to follow you, and I will follow you. I just don't know what dad's going to think. I want to step out into ministry. Yeah, I know there's a risk involved in that. I I don't know where the income's going to come from. I don't know. I don't know where the paycheck's going to be. I don't know how I'm going to get it done. And and I want to do that. God, it's in my heart. But you know, I I don't know what my dad's going to think. I, I he's got expectations that I'm I'm going to stick with the family business that I'm going to take over for him or that I'm going to do what he did, or I'm going to go to college, or I'm going to go to the one he went to, or I'm going to go because he didn't go. These are all very relative thoughts, and they're very, very much present in people's decision-making process, and it's putting pressure on people, and there are people everywhere who are completely missing the plan of God. Why? Because they prioritize somebody else's opinion, somebody else's expectation over the invitation to follow Jesus. I'm not making this stuff up. It happened then, it's happening now. So he's essentially saying to Jesus, let me go home. I'll I'll, kind of, I'll just keep living my life the way he wants me to. And when he's dead and I've buried him, then I'll be my own man and then I can follow you. Notice what the next guy said to him. Yeah, Lord, I'll go. I'm with you. I'll go wherever you want me to go. But let me go where? Back home. Let me go home and bid farewell to them who are at my house. That doesn't sound like a bad thing. That doesn't sound like a wrong thing. But Jesus did not have gentle words in response to that. He didn't have niceties to say to that. He said, look, if you're going to try to be going home all the time, I can't use you. Let me, let me contrast that. This is, I, I, I sense some people kind of scratching their heads with this. But let me contrast it to what happened in Mark chapter 1. In verse 16, it says, and as he, Jesus, walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. So again, it's that same two word invitation, follow me. No marketing to this, no enticing who had just some sort of cryptic statement about being fishers of men. What does that even mean? <laughs> I mean, you and I have the privilege of thousands of years looking backwards on it now. These guys are hearing it for the first time. All they heard was follow me, follow me. Same thing these others that we're reading about in Luke 9 heard, but notice the difference in their response. Verse 18, immediately they left their net and followed him. Now, no word of scripture is wasted. Every word in here is significant. Notice what they left. They left their net. They left the net. Let's let's talk about that in just a moment. Verse 19, when he'd gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, who were also in a boat mending their nets and immediately he called them. So let's ask the same two questions about these guys that we're asking about everybody else. Are they loved by God? You know it are they called by God? Bible says so. Immediately he called them and they left their father in the boat with the hired servants and went after Jesus. Can you see Can you compare and contrast here the different responses that we're seeing? Jesus gives this invitation in Luke nine, follow me. And these guys are like, yeah, sounds great. Love to, let me go home first. Let me bury my father first. Let me meet his expectations first. Jesus, I wanna follow you. Let me go home and bid farewell to them who are at the house first. And Jesus is saying, hey, whoa, 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 stop. I'm telling you now, this is your opportunity now. This window, this door is open now. And if you're gonna put your hand to this plow, you can't be looking back. Now, Jesus is not saying disconnect from these people forever. You'll never speak to them again. It's not, it's not leave in the sense of never seeing them again. It's leave in this sense. You're no longer dependent on them. God had to speak to a man named Abram. And before he could make this giant promise to him, before he could promise him literally the world, the first thing he had to do was say, Abram, get out of your father's house. Genesis chapter 12. First thing God ever said to that man was leave your father. One of the first things he ever said to man was for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. And all the wives said, amen. Now that's not leaving as in Mom and dad, I'm never speaking to you again. I'm never talking to you again. We no longer have any communication. That's not what that leaving is. The leaving is I'm changing my dependency. I'm not dependent on you anymore. I'm not dependent on you to provide anymore now I'm cleaving to her and the two of us are one. And now the two of us are going to depend on God. Now the two of us are going to trust God. Abram had to get out of his father's house, which he was 70 years old. Let's be honest. It was time. He had to get out of his father's house. Why? Because God needed a man that whose, whose faith was in him and him alone. And these guys notice what they left. They left their net and they left their father. And in the closing moments I have in this broadcast, I'm going to challenge you right now to leave both the net and the nest. And now what we call the house you grow up in is time to leave the nest. That's what this broadcast is today. A net and a nest. What's a net? A net is something that we use as safety. It's something that we use to fall back on. It's something that we use to catch us if we stumble and fall. But Jesus is saying, everything you've used as a net up until this time in your life, I'm asking you to leave it. What are you looking at as a net? Some people look at the bank account. That's my net, that's my safety net. Some people hear the call of God to step out into this, that, or the other, step out into ministry and they think, well, let me me get a little extra money. Let me get some more money in the bank. Careful what you're using as a net. What are you using outside of Jesus to hold you up? Is it money? Is it a relationship? Is it a job? Is it the security of a long time job? What is it? Jesus is going to help you identify whatever you've been putting more faith in than in him. He's going to help you identify it and he's going to help you identify it by asking you to leave it. Are you ready? Are you ready to walk away from the net? Are you ready to leave the nest? Quit depending on parents and their relationship with God and develop one of your own, let him be the net. Let him pick you up when you fall. Let him be the one that supplies. Are you going to stumble? Probably we do, but don't be dependent on anything else to catch you and certainly don't be dependent on anyone else to set you back up on your feet. Jesus wants to be the one who's called you, the one who supports you, and the one who'd be there to catch you. leave the net leave the nest hey thank you so much for listening to the legacy tv podcast we hope you enjoyed this and if you'd like to hear more of jeremy and sarah subscribe to this podcast and download the legacy studios app from there you'll have access to the legacy television broadcast the legacy letter magazine and so much more